passage this morning is found in the Gospel of John. It's uh, chapter 8, starting with verse 31. It's found on page 871 of your pew Bible, if you want to turn there, or you can follow along on the the screen. It is a time in Jesus' uh, promises of freedom, a freedom that only he can bring. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth, a truth that sets us free. May your spirit now, in the depth of our soul, truly speak to us the places where we are in bondage, the places that we are stuck, places where you can release us. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. John chapter 8 starting with verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, You will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place in you for my word. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, freedom's been in the news an awful lot lately, right? All over the world. I mean, Egypt and Tunisia, and now in Yemen, Bahrain, Libya, not necessarily places we think correspond with freedom. But certainly the whole history of humanity speaks to that longing that we have for freedom. Our own country is the same, a longing that we have that I believe is part of the way we were created. We were created to to enjoy a freedom with one another and a freedom with God that we see lived out and pursued all around the world, especially today. But the freedom that Jesus speaks of is beyond political freedom. Yeah, it, is, it is a freedom of the, the very depth of our soul. For we know, we, we've seen that political freedom is a good thing. It's really helpful, but that doesn't change the human heart. I mean, in our own country, you know, it took us 200 years to, to get the, the laws in line with our basic principles. You know, with the Civil Rights Act that, that finally said in our official laws, we are all equal and free together. And we've been 
trying to live that out for the last 50 some odd years. And just last week, a federal investigation of the Cincinnati Metropolitan Housing Association showed how the CMHA has been sexist and racist in their distributing of funds for housing. Just because the laws are in place doesn't mean there truly is a freedom in our lives. See, the same thing in uh, South Africa for the, the wondrous work of pursuing freedom from apartheid. But you know, in South Africa today, the, the murder rate and crime rate is higher than it ever was before. What Jesus is speaking about is the freedom of our soul, a freedom not to do what we want, but a freedom to do what is right. He wants to, to bring us a freedom to be in relationship with Him, a freedom to, to be all that we were created to be that only He can bring. A freedom to do not what we want, but what God wants, which leads to life to the full. A freedom to live a life of love in God. A freedom to, to, in, to joyously live in His wonder and might and beauty. That's the, the freedom that Jesus is promising us here. The, the Apostle Paul, who, who wrote a lot of the New Testament in his letter to the Galatians, said something similar. It says, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, leads us to a freedom that enables us to love to love Him, to love others, and to fulfill the very reason and purpose which we were created for. Paul goes on to say that freedom will then bear fruit in the power of the Spirit as you live a life of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the freedom that Jesus promises. Is that the freedom that you're experiencing? Do you live in that same freedom? Do you desire that same freedom? Well, Jesus says, abide in my word. Abide in my word. Do your word. and Do my word and that will lead you to truth and that truth will set you free. Now, the, the listeners in Jesus' day, they blew it. You know, they, they didn't get it. They, they missed the very first step of experiencing the freedom that Jesus has for all. They missed that first step because that freedom, they, they, they didn't think they needed it. They, they felt like that they were okay in and of themselves, in, in their own, really according to their religious heritage and background, they didn't need Jesus didn't need the freedom that he was bringing. Because they answered him, we're told. You know, we're descendants of Abraham. Abraham is our father. We've never been slaves to anyone. So 
What do you mean that you will make us free? Well, first off, I wonder what Abraham they're talking about. Because the Abraham of the Bible, his descendants were slaves, I know, to Egypt and then to Assyria and then to Babylon and even in their day were slaves to the oppression of the Roman government. And so they told Jesus to his face, thanks, but no thanks. The the first step to receiving the freedom that Jesus desires, a freedom to live the life for which we were created, a freedom to, to love according to His power, is to say thank you and receive His love. Receive His truth. To say, yes, I need the freedom that you can bring. I experience that in my, my own life over and over again when it comes to power, to being in control. When it comes to, to that I'm necessary for making things right. I think for a lot of us that sort of stand in this position, it's a bondage that we have. But I won't speak for all the other preachers. I'll just speak for myself. It's a bondage I have. That I've got to be right. I've got to be the one that fixes things. Instead of Jesus. It's been a great week to to wrestle with this particular passage, to get in touch with my own bondage, my own slavery, to being right and being in control. And in a sense, taking the place of Jesus instead instead of letting Jesus be in control and the one who makes things right. Jesus offers this freedom to me and to you. And the first step for us to receive that freedom is to recognize to what we're in bondage. What what enslaves us? What controls us besides Him? And, And to release that, to name that, and to receive the forgiveness that only He can bring. As we were preparing for this Sunday. There's a group of us to get together six, eight weeks out and just look at the passage and wrestle with it, with it together. And uh, Bruce Patterson, who's one of the guys up here singing, um, he's part of that group uh, as well as Barb. And as we were talking, Bruce shared a story of a, a time when he experienced, when he let go and experienced the freedom of, that Christ is talking about here. And it, and it blessed me. I mean, it, it taught me, and I said, Bruce, you've you got to share that with the, with the rest of us. And uh, share with us, Bruce, how uh, you experienced that freedom that Jesus is talking about. I grew up in a small church surrounded by most of my family. Their love and support was most influential in laying a solid foundation for my faith today. There was a bond of love that was real, and I desired to be like them. My grandfather was the pastor, and the church's message was to live a life of holiness and to present God's plan of salvation as recorded in John 3.16. 
For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not die but live forever. We were also taught to live a life of holiness, a life pleasing to God, and be a witness to the world. Holiness is allowing the spirit of Christ to live his life in and through us. But this truth became distorted for me, and living a holy life meant an adherence to a bunch of do's and don'ts. I really wanted to please God. I wanted his acceptance. And, of course, there were family expectations. So off I went to prove myself to God. I didn't realize that I was becoming a slave to rules, regulations, and the all-important Christian image. Time soon took its toll. Something was wrong. Being a good person was a lot of work. And I was lacking the joy and the peace that I saw in others. There was something more to Christianity than what I was experiencing. What was it? Sunday evening, had, we had uh, evangelistic service. And Granddad, with his flair for the dramatic, used his hell, fire, and brimstone and could deliver and arouse and convict even the hardest of hearts. He could bring down the glory of heaven or raise the depths of hell. One common theme of granddad's was what he called fire engine religion. Drew calls it fire insurance. That's when people would only call on God when they were in a hot spot and feeling really guilty. And that pretty much described my condition most of the time. You see, my futile attempts to jump through the religious hoops left me disillusioned with religion and feeling like Christianity was kind of like a New Year's resolution where people lived a code of conduct and that the crucifixion of Jesus was a very noble gesture but had no lasting impact on me. I put God on the back burner and moved on with my life. Little did I know that in God's plan, He was going to use the grim realities of war to bring me to a place of complete surrender. On my way to Da Nang, I had a sudden reality check. I was now entering a war zone, and I found myself wondering what laid ahead. Could I prove myself? Would I survive? Fear began its assault on me. Two weeks later, I was in a place where rockets were landing randomly in our compound and gunfire could be heard all around our perimeter. The war had quickly found us. By morning, word came down that we had sustained casualties. Men had lost their lives that night. I grieved and I was shaken to my core. My thoughts were of my own mortality and even more so for the immortal soul. Would I dare call on God? Would I be one of those that use God like fire insurance? My pride and my shame kept me from doing that. 
but what would I do? The first of the mail from home began to arrive, and one of the very first letters I got was from my grandmother. As usual, she wrote words of encouragement, but this time she included a scripture reference, and she said, its promise was just for me. It was Psalm 91, and it reads in part, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and if you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near you. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Because he says, he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. If it wasn't too late, I knew what I needed to do. I needed to find God just one more time, some way, somehow. But if he failed me now, there was no hope for me. There in a foxhole, I fell and cried out to God. I prayed for him to hear me. I confessed that I couldn't keep the rules and I know that I never could. I needed help. I pleaded for his mercy on my life and I asked for some reassurance that he would protect me like the Bible verse said. Please God, I need to know that you're real. I can't put into words what took place, but the presence of God came on me and I knew he had heard my cry. He had come to free me from the lies that I had believed, the fears that controlled everything that I did, and the frustration of trying to earn the salvation that was free to anyone who would receive it. He only asked one thing of me, and that was to trust him completely and to do whatever he asked, nothing more, but nothing less. After 43 years, I'm still trusting, I'm still listening, and learning what freedom looks like. Thank you, and God bless.
Bruce, Grandpa would be proud. And uh, to God be the glory. A freedom that Christ brings that no law, no uh, experience can bring, no power can bring except God alone. A freedom to our very soul. As we now move into a time of receiving our offering, I encourage you not just to offer what fits in the plate, but especially to get in the foxhole. What is it that holds you back? What is it that has you enslaved? Is it, as as Bruce said, having to do all the the right things all the time? Is it like my power of control or or is it some other addiction? They come in all shapes and sizes. Everything, counterfeit idols seeking to be like God in our lives. Whatever it is that holds you back, that has its bondage upon you, the chains upon you, name it, release it, Put it in the plate too. Offer that unto God and receive the the freedom that only He can bring. Let us offer ourselves unto God as He has offered Himself totally unto us. Let us continue to worship Him through our offering.